God, we thank you for the passage of Scripture that has been read to us. We pray that we would both be encouraged and and challenged in our faith as we reflect upon your words. May your Spirit speak strongly to each of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you wanted to be effective in some way, so it could be in terms of uh, running your own business or even being an employee, of uh, being a student, uh, it could be in anything. It could be a hobby that you're looking at. If you want to be effective, it would make total sense that you would seek to be as strong as possible, not just physically strong, but in terms of having all of the resources that you could possibly have, that you would want to make sure that everything is there, that you are in a position of strength, and that you would be able to minimize weakness as much as possible. That would make absolute sense. And I want you to think about it in terms of a church. If you were able to design the perfect church, and by church I don't mean the church building, I mean uh, a congregational uh, ministry, a local church uh, situation. If there were no limits, you had the opportunity to design what that was going to look like, what would you do? What would you pick? Well, uh, we will talk about a a building, so you definitely would want an up-to-date building that had all of the facilities and the resources uh, that you would need. You want to make sure that it's in good repair. There's lots of space to do the things that we want. Uh, You might want to have uh, a multi-use availability there. Uh, In terms of uh, other resources, uh, you'd want lots of money, right? That would be great. If 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 there are no limit on the resources, you can choose what's going to be there. You want to make it so that there is so much money coming in that you never are ever limited on what you can do. There's never a question of, uh, can we move forward in this ministry? Do we have the resources? Do we have the the finances to do that? You don't want that situation. You want to make sure that you have lots of money. You're also going to want to have lots of people, right? It'd be great. If you're going to design the perfect church, you want a really large church. You want to have a lot of people. But you don't want just anyone there. You want to have people who are going to be effective. So you want uh, business people uh, who have leadership skills, who could just step in and take control of a project and make it happen. Uh, you're going to probably want some people with some uh, theological background to, to lead Bible studies. Basically, you're going to want people who are in a position to be able to give rather than to be able to take. You want to be uh, have uh, people who are, are just gifted with all kinds of resources, whether that's uh, financial or intellectual or uh, business connections or whatever it is that you could possibly have. Uh, all of these things would make sense, right? Like that sounds like an ideal situation. The problem is that even though it's logical, it's not biblical. That is not the model that we find in the scriptures. What we find over and over again is the importance of ministering from a position of weakness. This is found even in the Old Testament. If you remember the story of Gideon, uh, Gideon was called by God to lead the Israelites against their enemies, but there was a problem. Gideon had a problem, and that is his army was too big. 
Now, uh, as someone uh, who is in the military, I'll tell you, that's not usually a problem that I hear uh, commanders complain about, that they have too many soldiers. But that was the situation that was going on there. And God had to whittle down that army and get it smaller and smaller and smaller so that it would get to the point where it was going to be obvious that the victory was coming from God and not coming from human power. Well, that message becomes even stronger when we get to the New Testament. Uh, that, uh, that message is, is just uh, laid down over and over again that we start from a position of weakness. Uh, the, the New Testament message, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is about turning everything upside down. Uh, what we thought was strength is actually weakness, and what we thought was weakness is actually strength. That is taught over and over again by Jesus, and Paul picks it up as well in his letters. In fact, Paul is oftentimes uh, boasting not of his abilities, but of his weaknesses. That's a place, uh, that's something that he wants to put down on his resume, the fact that he has weakness. And so that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to reflect, reflect on what that means for us as Christians, but also as a congregation. Now, uh, a number of years ago, I was reading a book, and I, I thought it was very interesting. It was comparing the origins of Christianity and Islam. Now, what I'm going to say right now about Islam is not meant as a, as a criticism of Muslims or, or anything like that. It's simply an observation of how these two different religions began. And in this book that I was reading, it was commenting how uh, Christianity actually began from a position of weakness, and Islam began at, from a position of strength. One of the uh, interesting parallels is uh, we can find in the New Testament the story of Jesus going into the Jerusalem temple and cleansing it. Well, Muhammad himself also went to Mecca and he cleansed the Kaaba, the place where uh, Muslims go uh, once a year for their pilgrimage. Now, there's a difference, though, in how those two things worked out. Jesus went into the temple, cleansed it. He uh, uh, very much because of his actions there, he ends up getting arrested and crucified by his enemies. On the other hand, Muhammad went into the uh, into Mecca, into the Kaaba, and uh, and cleansed it, and that really was the beginning of the victorious era for Islam. Uh, that was uh, Muhammad going back to the city that had persecuting him, and all of a sudden now taking it over, and they were able to use that as a base to be victorious over the cities around them. And we see this over and over again. The, the first couple hundred years of Christianity was about persecution. The first couple hundred years of Islam was about advancing and growing and uh, invading cities. Now, again, I don't want to be uh, critical of Islam because there's something, uh, there's something attractive about that. And I know that it's attractive because the church was attracted to that same model. Eventually, the church went from a position of weakness to a position of strength. The, eventually, uh, the church decided that they were going to enforce the faith by the sword and to kill people that they saw as heretics or unbelievers or whatever. So the church has fallen into that same trap. But what we see in that observation is that originally, the origin of Christianity 
was from a position of weakness. Now, what does that have to do with what Paul is writing to a church in Corinth? Well, Corinth was a city in Greece, an important city in the Roman Empire, and it was a city of strength. It was a city in which people valued that which was popular. Uh, so they, uh, they valued intellectual strength in terms of philosophy, and that was very important. Financial strength as well. It was an important trading community, and because of that, many people were quite rich. There were people who were influential in that city. And this uh, transferred to the church. People in the church began to value that which was strong. And they would boast uh, in their effectiveness and the influence that they had. And Paul writes to them and reminds them that that is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is God chooses to use the weak. And he comes up with this concept of the jars of clay. And these uh, jars are... um, one of the ways in which people would put whatever they needed, so for plates or, or whatever. Of course, there was other materials uh, available. There were metal vessels, uh, there were stone vessels, but clay was what was uh, affordable. It was what people, the average person could afford, and they could afford to replace. So if you were going to have a bunch of young children come to your house for lunch. What are you going to do? Are you going to put out your finest china or are you going to get your uh, dollar store plates out? Probably you're going to get the dollar store plates out because if they break, then you can replace them easy. No big deal. No one gets upset. But if you get the, the your uh, grandmother's uh, china out that you value so much, and you're going to be just watching it, eagle-eyed. They better not even look at it wrong, uh, or else something is, is going to be wrong. Well, that's what uh, vessels of clay were like. The average person could have it, and if they break, it didn't break. <laughs> there we go. There we got. We got some breakage here. If it breaks, then no big deal. You just get some more clay pots. People did not value it. They would look at that and say, if, it, if it's there, it's fine. If it's not there, that's fine as well. Paul compares what God does in us as being jars of clay filled with the glory of God. Uh, God chose to use weak vessels, vessels that outwardly did not look impressive. People in the ancient world did not look at a clay pot and say, wow, that's that's amazing, because they knew that that could break at any time. Uh, if it fell, it would smash, and it was not a big deal. God chose that which didn't look valuable, which wasn't respected, and he chose to place that in, place his glory in those vessels. The church was meant to be a giant jar of clay. This is what Paul understood. I mentioned earlier, if you go through his letters, oftentimes when he boasts, he boasts of his suffering. He boasts of his weakness. And when he does that, he's not boasting of his resilience. Uh, Sometimes we'll see someone who has gone through a hard time and we're impressed with them because they've been able to bounce back over and over again. And that is impressive. But the reason why Paul brings this up is not because of his resilience, 
but it's because he has recognized that when he is weakest, God is the strongest. And that is what glorifies God when that happens. And so Paul wants the people of Corinth and all churches, all followers of Jesus, to understand that it's okay to be a jar of clay because it's in that that God's glory shines through. The message of Jesus was about the coming of the kingdom of God. And that is the reign of God. God working in this world. God invading this planet. And he could have done it in any possible way. But he chose the church, which is really strange. I'm a a student of history. And as I've uh, read history, I see that the church has messed up a lot. Really, we have done some pretty bad things. Uh, Oftentimes, we bring up the Crusades and the Inquisition. Those are only the famous examples. Uh, There have been so many problems with the church. And yet, God chose to use the church to be his means to see the kingdom of God spread on this world. He could have chose more effective ways. He could have chose stronger people. But instead, he chose the church. What about us as individuals? Uh, You might be sitting here and you're feeling like the top of your game. This is the the best you've ever felt. You're feeling good physically. You're feeling good emotionally. Uh, Your bank account is just busting to the seams. Uh, you got uh, the most amount of friends that you've ever had. Life is so good. And others are going to be here feeling pretty weak, feeling like things are not going as well as I wanted at this time. Uh, you might be thinking that uh, your, your uh, physical health is not where you want it to be. Uh, you might be struggling financially. Uh, you might be uncertain about the future in any number of ways and thinking, you know what, God can't use me because uh, I just don't have it together. Everything is, seems to be falling apart And I am sympathetic with that, absolutely, and I would never want to fluff that off as any of that is is unimportant. However, I would say that that is exactly the kind of people that God works through. Those are the kinds of jars of clay that God is really interested in working in. Uh, You know, uh, when it comes to a congregation, it is the same principle. Uh, You might look at us on a Sunday morning and think, well, there are certain things that I wish were different. I wish we had more money. I wish we had more volunteers. I wish we had all of these things. And you know what? I think of these things all the time. Uh, I am looking at where we're going as a church in ministry. I look at the resources that we have. I try to figure out how this is all going to work. And these things get on my mind because I see it as uh, the limitations that we have. All we are are a jar of clay. And what are we, how can God possibly use this jar of clay called Queen Street Baptist Church? And yet this is exactly what God wants to do. You know, I have been in a uh, church that was much smaller than this, far, far smaller than this. And I watch as God used it in amazing ways. It was just incredible to see the impact that it had on that community. And you know, it is possible for a church-like organization to have enough resources in terms of finances and people and all that thing, all that type of thing, that you just don't need God to be a part of it. 
You can have a charismatic speaker. You could have a, a top band. Uh, you could have uh, all of the, the, poten- the possible financial resources that you could imagine. And you could make it work without God being a part of it. It is possible. But what God wants is a situation in which people are going to look, uh, people from the outside are going to look at what's happening and they're not going to say, oh, that's, that's all because of them. That's all because they are smart and rich and strong. No, what God wants is for people to look at the ministry that's happening and saying, wow, God is at work in those people. God is using them. And that's the last point that I want to make. Because there's a danger that we could look at this and the importance of, of it being God that is doing this and saying, you know what? Well, that takes a lot of pressure off me. Now I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to let that offering plate go right by me because why would I put money in the offering plate? I'm just a jar of clay. This church is a jar of clay. We want it to be as clayish as possible. So we're going to glorify God by limiting our financial resources by not putting money in the offering plate. I'm not going to volunteer for a ministry because why would we want to do that? We'll just let God do all of that. Well, that's, that's not the way it works. Yes, the success ultimately comes from God, but he chooses to use us. Think about that vessel of clay. It may only be clay, but it is still a vessel. A vessel is something that is used for a purpose. And we have a purpose as individuals and as a church. We have a purpose. What this is saying is that our success is not determined by how much intrinsic strength we have. We do what we're called to do, and God works through that, and his glory shines through these jars of clay. Uh, you may be discouraged today about anything. You could be discouraged about uh, church. You could be discouraged about home life, uh, your individual walk with God, anything. And I can understand that. And I face times of discouragement myself, whether in ministry or in my personal life. But it's not all up to us. We are jars of clay. Outwardly weak. uh, People do not respect it. People do not value it. But God's glory shines through that. God's power wants to shine through all of these jars of clay. We just need to make ourselves available. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the encouragement we find in Paul's letter to the Corinthians and his discussion of the jars of clay and what that means. We feel our weakness. We feel our limitations. But we thank you that your glory and power is at work within us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.